Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So wonderful to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have got a very interesting item to show you. If you'll take a look over here and gaze upon this piece of old world meets new world it is a grandfather clock of course you'll notice the ornate intricate wood carved case for this grandfather clock uh, very old world in its creation but if you look inside at the brass works a modern and i use that term quite loosely but a modern marvel of timekeeping with its various gears and weights and various trains for keeping time and chimes every quarter hour. Yes, this is a very old and expensive piece. This is a German clock, and it came from a family who survived the Holocaust. And this piece became an heirloom throughout their lineage. But unfortunately, as fate would have it, their lineage died out for the final owner of this piece died with no children to pass it on to. So we purchased it here at the shop, and while it is not for sale, uh, we decided decided to, to keep this in the shop as a remembrance and a continuation of their legacy. This very much like the ticking of the clock has definitive beats in what we were going to be talking about on today's episode. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Hulu film, Clock. So, Clock is one of those movies that I, I heard about early in the year, kind of after the, the first of the year. I kind of take stock in what movies and TV shows are coming out so I can get an idea of the things I want to talk about throughout the years. Of course, always things come up that you're not quite aware of, but but I like to get a, a jump early on the things that I want to check out and, and be sure to check out as the year goes on. And Clock is one of those... Uh, movies. You know, I knew it was going to be coming out on Hulu. Uh, I, I knew a little bit about, I, I knew Melora Hardin was going to be a part of this, uh, and I'm a fan of hers. So it was a movie I was looking forward to. And when I saw it was coming out this weekend, this past weekend, I thought that's great because there's no real new, like big theatrical releases that came out this weekend, at least as far as horror, fantasy, and science fiction. I know we've got uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy coming out next weekend, or this coming weekend, I should say. But nothing big. So, so I found a couple movies that uh, came out on streaming. Of course, we've got Clock we're going to be talking about today. Uh, a new movie came out on Shudder this past week called From Black, which we're going to be talking about on Thursday. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, a little spoiler alert for that one. Both of these movies I wanted to like a lot more than I actually did. Uh, I hate to say that, but... Uh, and we'll get into that uh, from Black. We'll get into on Thursday. But right now, just speaking of this movie, Clocks, I, I thought it was a good idea. I thought it had the basis for an interesting story to tell. And I think at its heart, 
the story is interesting enough. I just think that this is a movie that wanted to say something, but just didn't know how to say it succinctly and didn't know exactly what they wanted to say about it or, or how they uh, wanted to say it. I think the director and writer, Alexis Jack now, I think she had a good idea, but it was one of those scenarios where, hey, horror is a good way to do satire and have a message that I want to get across and I can do it in horror and it's going to turn out really great. And that's all good and well, but I think this is one of those cases where the message came first and then the story came around it. And I can always tell those because the message gets lost. And what they're trying to say because the story doesn't support it well enough. And we'll get into all the nuts and bolts of that coming up. But uh, I do want to say right off the bat that we are going to have some spoilers in this. I can't talk about this movie without being free to talk about it all. So from here on out, we are going to have some spoilers. So if you haven't watched uh, Clock, you can check it out now. It's on Hulu. Uh, check it out. You know, No matter what I'm going to say about this, no matter how I feel about this, I always say you should watch it for yourself. Because you may love it. I know there are a lot of people out there that you know, there's a lot of mixed reviews. Some people absolutely love this. Some people absolutely hate this. I think I'm in the middle on this for the most part. I think maybe I slightly lean towards not liking it. If you haven't watched this, go watch Clock on Hulu. Come back and listen to the podcast. See if you know what I'm thinking is what you're thinking. Maybe you're going to like it. Maybe you won't. We'll compare notes. But uh, I do want to remind you from here on out, there are going to be a lot of spoilers. So the basis of this movie is this lead character, Ella Patel. She is 37 years old. She's about to turn 38. Uh, she has no kids. She and her husband uh, have decided that they, they don't want to have kids. And I think it really is divulged throughout this movie that that's more of Ella's uh, decision and not so much her husband Aiden's decision. Uh, she doesn't want to have kids for, for various reasons. And that's not terribly uncommon. I know a lot of people uh, right around that age, if not a little bit older, that uh, they just don't have any interest in having kids. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this is a movie that really highlights the fact that societally and and in families that's kind of a taboo subject there's the societal pressure on women that once you get to those childbearing years you're going to start popping out kids and you get that from society people act like there's something wrong with you if you don't want to have kids families are very much what do you mean you don't want to have kids you don't want to continue our bloodline you don't want to continue our family and make it grow uh there's heritage and things like that and it delves into all of these things you get a lot of pressure from ella's friends uh one of them happens to be pregnant and about to have a kid you have uh, pressures from her father, who is a, a Jewish man whose family you know, goes back to the Holocaust. His family survived the Holocaust. And we'll, we'll delve into that a little more later as well. But, you know, family and, and continuing and, and, you know, the family name and the, the family heritage surviving and, and, and passing things on one to the next. That's a big part of his family's experience. And you get a lot of that pressure on Ella, who doesn't want to have kids. And that is a big focus of this movie on the, like I said, the societal pressure on people to have kids. And 
making them feel like they're broken because they don't. There's something wrong with you. If you don't want to have kids, there's something wrong with you. That's the way some people in society, not everybody, but some families also feel that same way. My, my wife and I are, I think, a prime example of that. You know, I'm pushing 50 years old now and I've never had kids. My wife is is a little bit younger than me, a couple years younger than me, and she's never had kids. And yeah, it was, you know, through the years, uh, my family never really pressured me, but there was like, hey, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? Well, I I don't know. I It was never a thing where I didn't want to have kids. It just, it's never happened. And it just, it wasn't in the cards for either of us. And we got married later in life. And, you know, by that time, you know, kids are off the table. <laughs> I, I don't want to be uh, 60, 70 years old and my kids graduating from high school or college. I, I, that's just not my, that's not my bag. Uh, I can barely run around now uh, to save my life running from some sort of creature of the night, uh, let alone run around playing ball with my kids. <laughs> But but I really kind of, I understood where they're going at with this, even though I'm not a female and I don't have the biological clock uh, expectations that they really focus on in this movie. I understood where this character is coming from. They do a great montage when one of her friends asks Ella, well, what do you do? You don't have kids. What do you do with her life? And they do this montage of where she's off doing things. She's getting massages. She's working on her career. She's a very successful, I don't know, interior designer of, of some sort. And she's got a big project coming up. And, you know, she's got plenty in her life to keep her occupied. She's very career driven. She's got a career to worry about. And she just takes care of herself, takes care of her husband. Uh, and I, I think that was kind of a fun little, it, it wasn't a comedic moment. A, this I, I've heard some people call this a black comedy, dark comedy. Uh, it, it's not comedy. There, There is that moment, though, where it's like, eh, yeah, she's doing just fine. <laughs> without kids uh it's not crossed her mind so it, it was a very interesting idea for this movie and and i think this is a, a subject matter that a lot of people can relate to like i said definitely women are going to be able to relate to this but even like myself as a guy who's who's never had kids you know i i can understand what they're talking about and so and i've seen a lot of reviewers say if you don't get it it's because you just don't understand you're a guy guys won't understand this well that's bullshit uh you, you don't have to be particular sex to to understand societal pressure and especially uh, the pressures of having kids now granted uh there's an expectation more on women than i think there is on men about you know your biological clock is ticking and the window of opportunity to to have a child is getting smaller and smaller so yeah there is that pressure that i'll never understand but in a broader sense and a bigger picture situation, I, I I understood where they're going with this, and and I liked the idea. I thought it was ground that it's not that it hasn't been covered before, but it's not often covered. And the fear of motherhood, yeah, that's something that's covered before, but I don't know as if there's a, a lot out there as far as pressure to have kids. And and I thought this was interesting ground if they could do it right. This was going to be an interesting story. And I think they started this movie off with a really interesting scene that kind of drew me in. One of the things I thought, okay, I think we're off to a good start here. And I think I'm going to like this movie. Was you have this scene where it's nighttime and there's this woman. She's on 
like some park playground and she's standing on this uh this swing and you can hear the squeaking of the chains and it's very atmospheric it really sets attention like you know what's going on here what what am i seeing what am i about to see and as the camera slowly pans in on her and and pulls in on her uh, we see that there's uh blood coming from from underneath her she's wearing like some sort of hospital gown or a nightgown of some sort and you can see there's blood pooling underneath her and she ends up pulling herself up to the the top of the swing set and then wrapping the chain around her neck and falling and hanging herself and you see in this pool of blood under her some sort of device now now if you've seen any of the trailers uh, if you read any synopsis about this uh especially the trailer i think the trailer is probably the biggest giveaway which it, it's one of those situations where i wish i hadn't watched the trailer because like there were some scary moments that oh i saw that i saw that in the trailer same with from black which we're going to be talking about on thursday uh, if i hadn't seen the trailer maybe the couple quasi scary scenes might have been a little more scary uh, probably not, because even if I hadn't seen some of these scary scenes in, in both these movies, it, they just weren't, didn't come across very scary at all. But we find out this is some sort of implant that uh, she got from somewhere that involves some treatment for the biological clock issue that is at the heart of this. So I thought that opening scene was really dark, uh, really grisly, and very... <laughs> Like, oh, oh, God, this is this doesn't bode well for anything. I don't know what's going on here. What what what's happening? And it was a good tension setter. It was a good atmosphere setter. And it was a good way to, to kick this off with making you want to ask questions about what the hell is going on. What the hell did I just see? And then we start meeting our main characters. And we're going to talk about the... There's not a ton of characters in this. I mean, there, there are a few characters, but only four real main characters that we're going to talk about. And uh, we'll kind of give you the rundown of who they are and where they fit in this story. And my thoughts on the actors. I, the one thing I think this movie had going for it, I think it had a really good cast. I really liked all of the actors, especially Diana Agron, who plays Ella Patel. She's our main character. And I think she does a good job with this because this character has to go through a lot of emotion from being just, you know, a happy working woman. Uh, she's married to a great guy and living her life the way she wants to. Uh, you get that happiness out of her. You get that contentment of life out of her. But then you also, when, when people start talking to her about, hey, when are you going to have kids? Oh, what's the matter with your biological clock? You're broken. You get that sort of sense of doubt within her. And then when she finally decides, you know, she caves in and decides she's going to do something about this. You get the, you get the fear and the trepidation and then when all things start to break down and the insanity aspect of this kicks in uh, i think she just you know ran the gamut of all these different emotions and, and was very believable and very likable i mean you wanted to root for her uh because you know like i like i said you know i'm uh i'm i'm pushing 50 and i don't have kids and 
I'm, you know, is my life perfect by no stretch of the imagination, but it's not because I don't have kids. And I think my wife and I have a good life (laughs) sans kids. If we had kids, that would have been great, but we don't. And I can understand, you know, that, that sense of, hey, my life's fine the way it is. But somebody sitting there telling you, well, no, there's something wrong with you. You know, that I think was a a very interesting way to take this character. And I think Diana Agron did a a good job with with portraying all those levels and all those facets of this character. And like I said, made it believable because you you empathized with her. You you felt like, yeah, who who are these people to tell her what she has to do with her body? And there's a lot of that as well. It's not only just the biological clock issue and and being broken and that societal pressure there but there's also a people trying to tell you what to do with your body and uh, that body autonomy sort of theme that that runs throughout this as well but you do really feel for this Ella character uh, Diana Agron does a good job with making you feel for this character even even at the end when you know that she did something really bad and we'll, we'll discuss that by itself later on you know something happened you didn't see it but you have a really good idea good idea something had bad happened you still feel for her you still feel for the the situation she's kind of been thrust into whether it be of her own accord or the manipulation of others it's still you feel empathy for this character even in her darkest moments and I have to chalk that up to the performance of uh, Dinah Agron. Uh, did a really good job with this character because this character could have been a little over the top, a little too crazy. I think she just found the right balance, like I said, that, that made you still care for this character even when she's at her most insane. The next character we're going to talk about is the Aiden Patel character. He is the husband of Ella, played by Jay Ali, and I, I like this guy so much. Uh, every time I see him, and I, I haven't seen him in a ton of things, but uh, I think the last thing I probably saw him in, he played the Kane character in the Carnival Rose series on Amazon Prime. And I just loved his performance there. I love the character and the performance of that character. He's an actor that, you know, I, I want to see more things with him in it because I really just enjoy his style of acting. Uh, I think he's a good actor and he does a really good job in this. Like I said, uh, Diana Agron did a fantastic job as Ella. I really liked jle as aiden in this because he is very much a supportive husband he's a doctor Uh, you don't get to see him much in his element the only time you really get to see him is in his interactions with ella but he seems like a really good guy a very supportive guy and that all just makes you like him when ella and her father joseph played by saul rubinek when they're having disagreements you know aiden is trying to play the the moderator and trying to calm both sides down. He just seems like a really good guy. Now, the, unfortunately, and and this is probably one of the problems I have with a lot of movies like this, is that it's real easy to paint the the good guy as the bad guy. He's just secret. He's secretly the villain. Uh, he seems all nice and supportive, but he's he's the real bad guy. And you know, not every husband is some nefarious ne'er-do-well that is plotting against his wife. I wish they could have just made the Aiden Patel character just a good guy and a supportive guy, 
he can still be ineffectual as far as it's very much a female empowerment type of movie. So you can't have him saving her, God forbid. You can still have him ineffectual in that, but just not make him a de facto villain because this movie really doesn't have an antagonist. Like a one person, this is the bad guy doing the bad things and making all this happen. It is very multifaceted and very layered in the antagonist in this. In some regards, it's society. In other regards, it is Ella herself. In, in some regards, it's Aiden. So there is really no one evil mastermind behind everything. And, and I, I can appreciate that. I, I can appreciate the fact that there's just not one person. It, it's bad decisions being made all around that that has caused this to get to this point. And I, I appreciate that. But to me, it, it feels like it takes all of the responsibility out of the, the main character to make the right decisions and it makes them less of the bad guy. Well, I, she was manipulated into doing this because the husband did this. And, and, and I'll get into the specifics of that here in a second. But I want to make my point first is that it really didn't make her any more empathetic. It just made him look like an asshole. And, you know, God forbid there be a guy in a film that's not painted as the asshole or some bumbling idiot. So I, 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 I didn't like that. And, and maybe it's just me because I'm a guy. I didn't want to see Ella as the bad guy. I thought what they did with her was interesting. But I didn't want to see Aiden as the bad guy either. And uh, and then it's not that I'm uh, afraid to see main characters turn out to be uh, not as good as we think. I, I think what they did with the Ella character was interesting. Uh, I think what they did with the Aiden character was lazy. And, and it all pretty much boils down to the fact that Ella is kind of manipulated into going to this, this clinic for this case study to have this experimental stuff done to, to fix her broken biological clock. And we find out that the Aiden Patel character kind of manipulated her into doing this. He asked a doctor friend to suggest it to her. The doctor friend suggested it to her, planted it in her head. She finally decided, caved in and took the doctor up on it and went to have all this stuff done. And they play it in this movie like this aha moment like aha he we we've got it he's the one that did all this when all he did was try to help his wife she was having obvious doubts about what she wanted caving in sometimes to the pressure of her friends and society and he was just trying to, to point her in a direction that would make her weigh her options in the way it's done here, it's a little underhanded, but it was played for a bigger, he did it sort of moment. And she goes straight from finding out that he had this doctor suggest this clinic to her. She went straight from that to, I think we're getting a divorce, which there, you know, you're not going to even try to work this out. You're not even going to try to talk about this. Now, by this stretch in the game, I think things have happened that taken this past the point of, of working on anything. But again, we'll get into that later. The third character we're going to talk about uh, real quickly is Saul Rubinick. He plays the character Joseph. He's uh, Ella's father. He's a, a Jewish, old Jewish man who is very much about heritage and very much about family. And you have to keep
keep the lineage of your family going. So, you know, you can pass down oral stories, pass down histories, things like that. And he's one of the reasons why Ella is constantly battling with this because she's constantly getting pressure from her father. When are you going to have kids? Why haven't you had kids? You know, what about our what about our line? Our line ends with you if you don't have kids. I think he does a really good job with that. He does a good job with the father that means well, but is just very frustrated because he can't understand why she doesn't want to have kids. And then when he has the realization that, you know, he made a mistake, he, they have a big blow up and, and he has the realization they, they reveal later on that he loves his daughter and she should be happy and that's all he should care about is just her being happy with with the life she's living it's such a touching and heart uh, heart-wrenching moment given the circumstances with which we get this revelation about his kind of change of heart and again that all leads into kind of the big climax of this movie that that i want to talk about on its own uh, a little bit later. But I really like Saul Rubinek. Uh, I thought he did a good job as the Joseph character. Not in the movie a ton, but what he is in, uh, I think he does a really good job. He's an enjoyable character. Uh, he, you know, Like I said, he plays that kind of uh, very loving father that just is not very understanding of the decisions his child is making. I think we've all been there before. Now, the last character we're going to talk about is a character that I really, I like the actress. Melora Hardin plays Dr. Elizabeth Simmons. Now, Melora Hardin, she's been in a ton of different things. Uh, I am a huge fan of The Office, and <laughs> I love her as Jan Levinson, and I think she's, she's a wonderful actress. I really like the fact that she kind of gives off like sinister vibe, but sinister behind a smile. She pulls that off, and I wanted that paid off. But then they never really doubled down on the sinister nature that they could have made this character. Uh, and later on in this, uh, before we wrap up this episode, I'm going to talk about the things I think would have made this movie more enjoyable for me personally. But Melora Hardin, uh, she is this Dr. Elizabeth Simmons. She has come up with this way to help women, quote unquote, fix their biological clock. It's a lot of uh, psychology and therapy and psychological treatments. And then the last treatment is this implant that they put up inside the uh, woman's uh, bits and pieces, and it, it dispenses hormones. And that's where we get Ella. She gets to that point where she has this implant. And it is the little device or implant that we saw that was uh, taken out of the woman on the swing set in the very first scene. You, you realize that's what that was if you haven't watched the trailer. If you watch the trailer, you're pretty sure that's what that was. <laughs> But I like Melora Hardin's character, Elizabeth Simmons, because she did have a, not a sinister nature about her, but you kept waiting for it. You kept waiting for the, you know, the maybe the mustache twirling or the ha 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 ha, ha the sinister laugh after, you know, a character leaves the room or, or something like that. You never get that. And she is secretive enough about what's going on, or maybe not even secretive enough, but leaving things out enough to where 
you you're afraid something sinister is going on behind the scenes you're just little things she says make you feel like there's something more to her than there really is and it, and it never pays off there is nothing more to her she's just a doctor trying to to help women and doing some quasi i i don't know maybe a little ethically impaired uh, treatment system I don't know, but she really does have people's best interests at heart. And I think where you find the problem is, is that Ella doesn't listen to her instructions and doesn't do what she's told to do and is the monster of her own making. The doctor tells her only to take one pill a day or, or the prescribed amount of pills every time. And you see her before taking more than she was supposed to. She's supposed to report any ill side effects and she's hiding that from the doctor once she's released from this clinic. She's having hallucinations, Ella is, before she even leaves the clinic. And she's not reporting it to the doctor. And, and therein lies the problem and the escalation of the problem that get us to that climax it's all because she got, I mean, the pills were working. Uh, she started getting baby crazy and and didn't want to disappoint her husband and and all of a sudden didn't want to disappoint society and her father. And she she's all of a sudden wants to have a baby. And she's so uh, locked into that that she's not telling Dr. Simmons when she is having problems. Then, of course, there's the whole egg thing, egg fetish uh, looking raw eggs, uh, bit of the movie uh, again. Uh, <laughs> there's gonna be a lot in this movie that just didn't make sense. This is one of them. I know it's symbolism for you know fertility and whatnot, but didn't make sense. But I did like the Melora Hardin character, Dr. Elizabeth Simmons. I thought Melora Hardin did a really good job with the character. Uh, I thought Melora Hardin was underused as this character. I thought they could have done some some things that would have made this character a little more interesting. Uh, maybe some things with the story that could have made this a little more interesting. I I don't know. We'll, we'll discuss that coming up a little bit later on. But for the most part, you get the bulk of this movie. Ella is in this facility with Dr. Simmons going through this treatment. And she starts to hallucinate. She starts to hallucinate bad. She's seeing visions of this, this very tall woman. And they do that effect with her face where it elongates. And she's got the big round maw and uh, looks very creepy. None of it was very scary, though. There was a lot of hallucinations about spiders, which uh, didn't really, to me, have any... Unless I missed something. I found myself getting bored several times throughout this movie. And maybe I was checking the time on my phone and I missed something. But I, I never really understood what the deal was with the spider hallucinations that she was having. It just I mean, you get the revelation that the tall woman she's seeing is her grandmother uh, who survived the concentration camps of World War II from the Nazis. We find that out because the father, Joseph, finds a picture when they were going through pictures at some point, and Ella realizes that's the woman she's seeing. But if Ella's father is just finding this picture and she's never seen it before, how is she having 
hallucinations of a woman she's never seen before. I don't get that. It's never really implied that this is a ghost of her. This is the ghost of her grandmother haunting her to tell her that she has to continue their legacy, continue their lineage, and have a baby. It's never played like that. So it just didn't really make any sense. Much like the spider. And the scenes with this character, this this tall woman, uh, just, I mean, it was played for the horror of this, but it just wasn't very scary. There were a couple bad jump scares. And by bad, I mean, just didn't make you jump at all. <laughs> there were some scenes that I think were supposed to play up the atmosphere, but they just weren't that scary with this character. There was a scene with a spider where she's about to squash the spider that's on her pregnant friend's stomach, and she's about to squash it with a big book, and it just wasn't played very scary. And you knew it was a hallucination. You know... Uh, what's going on and you can predict what's going on for the most part with this whole movie she's leaving the treatment facility and she uh, all of a sudden gets sick to her stomach and she pulls off the road and, and runs down this path to get to a cliff so she can puke instead of just puking beside her car <laughs> and you you realize as she gets to this cliff to puke over it uh somebody's going off that cliff at some point why else would you have her run down a path to get to a cliff, to puke over the edge. It was just, like I said, very predictable and not very good. I think the one really good setup, and, and you really kind of anticipated it in the moment, but she goes to see her father. And throughout this whole movie, clocks always in the sound design, you always hear the ticking of clocks very loud. It's very symbolic of her biological clock and all that stuff. But uh, he's got this large grandfather clock, again, a family heirloom that is ticking and she hears it very loudly and and she's already in the midst of going crazy, uh, whether it be a combination of the drug she's on or just the pressures that she's under or, or combination of all of that. Um, she starts to hear this clock and... We have this scene where she grabs a bunch of tools, hammer, pliers, stuff like that, and wrecks this clock. She pushes it over, and she gets on top of it, and she's pulling out the workings, pulling out the springs, pulling out the gears, pulling out the chains. And you hear the father in the background uh, asking, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Stuff like that. And I just had a suspicion that... What we were seeing was not what was happening. This character, Ella Patel, becomes a very unreliable narrator right away. As soon as she goes to this, this clinic and starts having this medicine, starts seeing these hallucinations. But this big climax, uh, Ella goes back to the clinic and confronts Dr. Simmons and take this thing out of me. Well, if I take it out of here, you'll no longer be able to have kids and She's like, I don't care. I don't want kids. I never wanted kids. Very, very empowered, which is all good and well. And I, I think they wanted to play up the autonomy of female bodies and things like that. But uh, she's the one that chose to have this thing put in her. Nobody, nobody twisted her arm. So to all of a sudden say, take it out now, like it was forced upon her. Ah, I mean, she was manipulated, yeah, but but she ultimately made the choice to do that. And they're playing it like she's taken her body back. Well, you're the one that wanted this in you in the first place. So let's let's keep that clear. 
but she has this moment. All of a sudden, the cops arrive, and there's a, a little bit of a, you know, it's kind of like an OJ slow chase scene where she stops right by that path that leads to the cliff, and she she calls her husband, Aiden, to find out that he's the one that called the cops. And all this time, you know, she makes references to her father and, oh, he's at home. And Aiden gives the reveal. And, and, and we see it all play out with the flashback of when Ella visited her father. And it wasn't the clock she pushed over and tore apart. It was her father. She pushes him down, gets on top of him. All of a sudden, you're seeing bits of guts and blood and stuff come out. The only real gore in this movie in this scene but it was a really cool reveal not a reveal i didn't already expect but it wasn't it made this character a little more interesting it made this character more sinister and yet more sympathetic through choices she's made and things that she's been pushed into maybe not pushed push is not i think the right word but manipulated into uh, she just killed her own father and it just, it makes it heartbreak and it makes it tragic. Uh, it's a very tragic character. And because of this, she's handcuffed, but she runs and jumps off the cliff. It cuts to black and you hear the, the waves of the water at the bottom of this cliff lapping up on the beach. But you have this final scene. And this is kind of my take on it. When she last met her father, he talked about having this dream where he saw their whole lineage in, in this vision. He fell and almost died or something like that. I think that's kind of what they're alluding to. And he saw his life flash before his eyes sort of situation. He saw his whole lineage dating back to when the first fish came out of the water, kind of going, you know, going the evolution route. And we see the black fade back in. Ella is laying on this big rock. Uh, no blood, nothing. But you see her laying there and she watches as this fish crawls out of this lake or, or this body of water at the bottom of this cliff. And it's very much a symbol of her, her line, uh, the very beginning of it and the very end of it. Because that's why her father was after her to have a child. Because once he died, once she was gone, their, their line, their family line would end and we see that, the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega of, of this family's line in that final shot. So ultimately, this is a movie I, I wanted to like more than I actually did. I thought it was interesting subject matter. And I think it was subject matter if it was done right. Could have been interesting. And you could have had a really scary movie that said something. But I think this is a situation where uh, Alexis Jack now had a message she wanted to put out and wrote a horror story around that instead of writing a horror story that integrated the message she wanted to say. And I think that's where a lot of filmmakers go wrong because uh, she even said, uh, there was a quote I saw from her where she said, it's just a really great genre for getting out message-based material. I got to talk about female body autonomy in a movie that's going to be on Hulu because it's a horror film. Uh, I, I think she had a message and, oh, how can I get this message across? Well, let me do a horror movie. I, I don't even know. I don't know much about this uh, director slash screenwriter. I don't know how much of a horror fan she is, but she thought, well, that's the way to do my messages. I'll do a horror film. And it just felt very much like the horror came second to the message she wanted to get across. And in trying to integrate that message into a horror film, I don't think she knew how to do it. 
at least not how to do it succinctly and coherently. And any message you get in this, it's not, you know, I've heard some people talk about how clever this movie is. It's not clever at all. They say everything right out loud. They talk about, it's my body. They talk about, there's pressure from family and society to have a, a baby if you're a woman. There's nothing clever about it. There's no uh, veiled references or allegory or anything like that. It spells it all out for you. So yeah, no, it, it's not clever at all. It just, it tells you what it wants you to know and then tries to do a horror story around that. And the two just weren't married together very well. The horror elements of this really didn't have anything to do with the message, uh, didn't really have anything to do with the main character in so much as what she was going through in the moment that made sense. Yeah, it had spiders. Spiders are scary. I don't know how that ties to the main character. Yeah, it had this very tall, creepy-looking woman that turned out to be her grandmother that she's never seen a picture of. How would she know? It's not a ghost. Uh, how is this image haunting her subconscious? I think this is a movie that, if they did it a little different... And as much as I applaud them for trying, I applaud Alexis Jack now for going the route that there's no real singular villain in this. There's no singular nefarious character that is masterminding all this. Uh, I think it could have used something like that. I like the ambiguity of, you know, everybody played their part, whether it be Aiden for suggesting that, that she go to this clinic uh, through duplicitous ways, whether it be Dr. Simmons for even having this sort of therapy that, that messed with your hormones and, and drove uh, Ella crazy with hallucinations, whether it's Ella being responsible for her own fucking actions and not blaming everyone else. It's not society's fault. And even society in this is, is, is culpable in some form or fashion as the, the big villain of this movie, everybody plays their parts. And I, I, I applaud the idea of that. I just don't think it was executed well enough to, to make it work with this. If they would have had Dr. Simmons as this nefarious for whatever reason, and maybe she's an alien, I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing shit out there. But she has some nefarious plan as to why she is creating this quote unquote treatment that is having all these adverse effects and driving Ella uh, Patel crazy with hallucinations. Maybe that makes uh, more sense as far as a horror story goes. It gives a little more agency to what's going on, a little more reason for why things are happening. Granted, it takes the blame off society. It takes the blame off the husband. It takes the blame off of other people. But you could use it as you could use that as a, you know this Doctor Simmons character. You could use that as the allegory for society and things like that. I I just think there is a way they could do this that gave you a, a little more of a coherent reason for all the bad shit happening. And I think that's the problem with the movie we're going to talk about on Thursday from Black. I think it just lacked some direction that made you care about what's going on. There were several times in this movie where I'm looking at, I'm like, I knew this is an hour and a half long, but by God, this should have been over by now. I kept checking my phone to see what time it was and I kept pausing it to see how long I had left on the movie. It just, it was a very, it felt every bit of an hour and 30 minutes plus. 
but that just because it really felt like there was no direction. You know, I'm pulling for Ella, but she's making a bunch of horrible decisions and I don't want to not pull for her. I'm empathetic towards her. There was no villain for me to root against. And this kind of vague idea of society is the real villain. Ah, that, that only takes me so far in a horror movie. I'm sorry. But for all the things I didn't like about this, there were some things I did like. I, I did like the acting. I thought Diana Agron did a fantastic job. Jay Ali is really good in this. Melora Hardin, while underutilized for what she can, you know, if you watched her as Jan on The Office, you know she can pull off sinister and diabolical. Uh, you know, just some of the looks she would give Michael uh, would send chills down your spine. So uh, she could have been a really good antagonist in this but they just misused her as this character i think the character is misused i think the actress they had playing her uh, they misused her because they could have gone some different routes with this character with this particular actress saul rubinek as joseph was really good that the cast is really solid i thought the dialogue was pretty good sometimes when you get to the preacher parts about uh, this is my body the, all the you know girl power stuff that got a little heavy-handed but as far as the dialogue uh, between characters uh, the dialogue between ella and aiden ella and her father ella and and dr simmons i, I thought the dialogue was all really good the cinematography was pretty good uh, I, I enjoyed that the the effects that they did uh visual effects weren't horrible it just they were done in a way that just wasn't scary even the few jump scares that they they tried to do just were not effective at all and outside of that first scene uh it really didn't do much for building atmosphere and tension which are you know some of the hallmarks of horror if you're not building atmosphere, if you're not building tension, there's no sense of dread or sense of unease. There's no unnerving feeling. And yeah, they didn't do any of that. It almost felt like uh, Alexis Jack now is not really a huge horror fan. She just thought of a horror film was the way she could incorporate her message. And hey, I'm a, I'll do a horror film. Kind of like one of those people. We get in this town that I live in, we get from time to time people is like, I I'm going to start a business. And, and they'll ask everybody on Facebook or whatever, what, what kind of business should I start? It's putting the cart before the horse. Find something you're passionate about and you're good at and then build a business off of that. Not, hey, I'm going to do a business. Well, let me figure out what I'm going to do. Uh, I think that was the same way with this movie is that Alexis Jack now had a message she wanted. And well, how? what's the best vehicle for this message? Oh, a horror movie. Well, I'll, I'll write a horror movie around this message. Well, it should have been the other way around. I'm going to write a really scary horror movie. How can I incorporate this message into that? Because movies done this way, where the message comes first and the horror comes second, you can tell those movies. Those movies stand out like a horror in a church. And while the message is a good message, it's a message that I think should have light shed on it. As a horror fan, I want to be scared. I want to have this movie scare me first. And the message comes second. And it's the other way around with this. And a lot of films like this. And it just, as a movie, it just falls flat for me. So those are my thoughts on, on the new movie, Clock. Uh, you can check it out for yourself on Hulu. Don't take my word for it. Look at it for yourself. But like I said, a uh, good cast. No scares and felt way longer than it had to be. The pacing really could have been picked up on this as well. But like I said, don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself, uh, Clock on Hulu. 
I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on the new Hulu film Clock. You can check out more about what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page. We're always posting trailers to the latest movies and series, articles from all over the internet that we find. And I like to add my two cents as well. Uh, you can find out uh, more about what's coming up uh, with our latest uh, episodes coming up on Thursday. We've got a new movie we're going to be talking about from Shudder called From Black, which uh, another movie... Uh, you know, I don't want to be too spoilery about my thoughts on it, but uh, a movie I wanted to like more than I actually did. So we'll talk about that on Thursday. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram as well as wherever you listen to this podcast. Please like, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do there. Uh, please leave uh, reviews. Five stars would be awesome, but whatever review you leave, we do appreciate that. And share the podcast with anyone you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Uh, get the word out there. Growing our numbers the only way we keep doing this. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to this episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, and until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha.